Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brennan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today Attorney David Dodge, partner with the law firm McCatherine PLLC in Dallas, Texas. David represents clients in areas including insurance coverage, bad faith actions, and business and consumer cases. He also presents continuing education seminars for claims adjusters, insurance agents, brokers, and producers. David, we're pleased to have you with us again today. Thank you. It's great to be here. David is here today to discuss Oklahoma's new workers' compensation legislation that took effect in February of 2014. In addition to reforming Oklahoma's workers' comp system, the legislation offers Oklahoma employers the opportunity to opt out of that statute and effectively self-administer their workers' comp programs under ERISA-like or ERISA-governed benefit plans under the Oklahoma Employee Injury Benefits Act. The opt-out option is designed to look something like non-subscription in Texas, where employees can elect to opt out of statutory workers' comp and go back into a negligence scheme. However, under the Employee Injury Benefits Act, the exclusive remedy is retained. David is going to explain this new option, how it differs from non-subscription in Texas, and the odds of similar legislation being enacted around the country. And today, Brendan Noonan is going to lead off with our first question. Uh, David, we understand the Oklahoma legislature has enacted workers' comp reforms that offer Oklahoma employers greater control over occupational injury claims. Can you give us some of the details? Sure. In 2013, uh, legislative session, the Oklahoma legislature restructured both the state's statutory workers' compensation system and enacted an alternative to that system known as the Oklahoma Employee Injury Benefits Act. The principal advantage of the Benefits Act over the statutory comp system is that employers are allowed to adopt their own benefit plans that give them greater flexibility in claims handling. Uh, can you provide some examples of that flexibility? Yes. The aim of the Benefits Act is to allow employers to adopt claims handling procedures that will enhance workplace safety and return injured employees to work, including light-duty work, as soon as they're cleared by their treating physicians to do so. It also allows qualified employers to adopt provisions requiring employees suspected of malingering to submit to independent medical evaluations, functional capacity exams, and occupational assessments. David, what happens if an employee refuses to follow these procedures? Well, although I always counsel employers to provide plenty of warning, if an employee refuses to abide by the terms of the plan, then the plan administrator may suspend or terminate plan benefits, provided the plan gives them the power to do so. Uh, David, what recourse does the employee have? Well, under the Benefits Act, the employee must first appeal the claim denial to the plan's review committee. The review committee is a group of at least three people previously not involved in the claim and who don't report to anyone who was involved in deciding the claim initially. The review committee will take a fresh look at the claim and any new evidence as to whether it's covered by the plan and make a decision. If the employee is still unhappy with the determination, he or she may either file suit under ERISA or file an appeal of the review committee's decision with the newly created Oklahoma Workers' Compensation Commission. ERISA claims would proceed through the state or federal court system, whereas appeals to the commission would be decided by the commission, and then any further appeal would proceed directly to the Oklahoma Supreme Court. The particular path available to the employee will generally be dictated by the terms of the plan itself. 
How does what you have described differ from the decision-making process under the new Oklahoma Workers' Comp statute? Well, under the Administrative Act, the newly created commission decides whether a workers' compensation insurance carrier's denial of, or limitation of benefits complies with the Administrative Act. So that first-level decision-maker is the commission, not the review committee under the plan, which is the case under the Benefits Act. David, has the difference in the appeal process under the Benefits Act and Administrative Act been subject to judicial scrutiny? Yes. In mid-December 2013, the Oklahoma Supreme Court upheld both the Administrative Act and the Benefits Act against various constitutional challenges. However, in a separate concurring opinion, Justice Combs of the Oklahoma Supreme Court noted the potential for disparate treatment of employees under the different appeal procedures in the two statutes. And we anticipate this will be an area of future as-applied constitutional challenges to the Benefits Act. Does the employee retain the right to sue his or her employer for negligence in failing to provide a safe work environment? No, and this is a big difference from non-subscription in Texas. Unlike non-subscription in Texas, where employers can opt out of statutory comp and go back into a negligence fault-based scheme, the Oklahoma Benefits Act provides that planned benefits are the exclusive remedy for all occupational injury claims. So the only exception is that the employee can sue the employer directly for intentional torts if he or she can prove a willful, deliberate, specific intent of the employer to cause his or her injury. Of course, that's an incredibly high bar of proof. Uh, Do the benefits available under the Benefits Act differ from those under the new Administrative Compact? There are some subtle differences, but generally no. The Benefits Act incorporates by reference most of the substantive benefits available under the Administrative Act or the statutory comp. So unlike in Texas where non-subscriber benefit plans often impose temporal or dollar limits on benefits, the benefits required by the Benefits Act in Oklahoma are generally tied to the physical condition of the employee. David, do you anticipate the Oklahoma Benefits Act becoming a, a model for other states that want to reform the workers' comp laws? It's really too soon to tell. Although the Benefits Act became effective February 1, 2014, the insurance marketplace is still working to design products that meet the requirements of that unique law. I anticipate it will be a couple of years before we know whether the Act has achieved its goals of improving injured employee health outcomes and reducing occupational accident frequency and cost. As mentioned, we certainly expect to see future challenges to the new law in Oklahoma. David, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. That was David Dodge, partner with the law firm McCathern PLLC in Dallas, Texas. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, 
and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year-long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 